Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay and Brad. Wait, wait, I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. News time. Uh, we've got. Do it man, live. We have the next couple Should podcasts. I bring them back? Do it live. Wait, what? All right, go on. Sorry. Yeah, that someone brought off that up the air for a long time. Even off the long time. All right, um, but with our next two podcasts, this one are right so here, good. and the next one are just really good. So they're all good, uh, Brad. If, if uh, we may not be doing them weekly, but I'd like to think they're better. So, got a couple news. Your hair's looking great. Shampooed and conditioned. So, it's nice and soft. Nice and fluffy. Smells good. Uh, The waves, we haven't done surf report in a while. Um, You were back in the water. Back in the water. I served with you a double sesh, dude, like old school, me and you. We hit hit Creek, then we went to Doho. I have surfed more in the last two weeks than all year. By the way, I couldn't move my neck after our double session. Like, took right and left, it wouldn't move. So the surf is good. Uh, but I think we, we're getting rain again tomorrow. So It is. Um, I got, I, and I got an, Oh, by the way, I told you I get sick. I got a sinus infection now. That was from Doho. Hey, you, sure. you should probably quit surfing again. Wa-bam, wa-bam. Dude, sur- that, that wave's good. Dude, it's going off right now. I know. I uh, so, so surfing's great. I, if I'm on antibiotics now, I can go. There you go. Z-pack, right? I saw my son get the, the sickest barrel this morning, today, this afternoon. It was really, it's really fun. When Rusty's, yeah, I had to admit this. My son surfs better than me. Hmm. Like I, I legit. wasn't going to say anything, but he's getting pretty no, angry. Legit, like <laughs> the last few times we've now gone. Now I'm like, last son, can you like let me get a wave? Like the last few times we've gone, like like just this last six months. Yeah. It's cool. It's like, next level. Slow. Like all of a sudden he went. As soon as you start putting him in the competition, yeah, it seemed like something fired him up, like way in our, Like he surfs harder than he ever has. Yeah, he's always surfed good. Obviously, ten yeah. years old surfing Mexico, but a little more driven to. He's way more aggressive than he's ever been, yeah. and that's pretty cool. So there you go. So it's fun when your kids uh, do better than you. So I've got a couple things left that, that I can do better he's than 16? him. He's 16? He'd be turning 16 in six months. Pretty awesome. Uh, got his first truck. He just that's purchased his that's own truck, yeah. That's like 1980, 1980. Brad's got two kids in college, one with a – he's just got that's one. That's how old I am. And I'm, that's why I was saying this. Okay. Gray hair. Yeah. Although Brad, now yeah. that my hair's, I'll share this for everyone. My hair's Great. growing out. I've, yeah. I, I pluck them out so you won't see them. But I plucked out probably twenty long white hairs, dude. I'm talking. <laughs> what if my hair's gray, six inches long? What if you go gray before me? That would suck. Because I got some gray. But, but see, it's what, but when you keep it short, you can't really tell as much. But dude, now it's long, dude. These strands when I pull them out are. Uh, yeah, but your beard is not great at all. No. My I'm gray beard. <laughs> all right. Enough of this talk. I got some news articles. We're just going to do a couple news articles. Yep. Uh, this one comes General from conference coming up. General conference. Uh, will that be uh, two weeks after? We might have another podcast before then, yeah, and okay. then we'll probably take some time off to let you digest general conference. And then we can talk about it. And yeah. there's plenty of other uh, LDS general conferences that do like commentary. They, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So we'll give a, our best talks probably that are related yeah. to addiction recovery. So, anyways, okay. M- 2016 Middlesex University. Interesting name of university to study this, Wait, by the Middlesex? way. Middlesex. Middlesex University found that 93% of 14-year-olds have seen explicit material online. 93%. That doesn't shock you at all. No. Uh, I think that shocks many parents of teenagers. 
I should ask my many Mormon parents. Explicit. I don't think outside the church people feel that way. Uh, they probably don't think there was anything wrong with it. No, because yeah, sixty no. percent of children having first watched it in their homes. Okay, but wait, that's uh, huge though. Like you said, like in their own homes. Yeah, well, of course, yeah. on your that's devices, saying, yeah. digital devices. Yeah. So this uh, article goes in to talk about the how porn is making young men impotent, and I, it's not important. Impotent. You know what impotent means? I'm going to let you try to describe this in a PG manner. Go ahead. Cool. <laughs> Why do you have to put that on me to say it? I think you can do it better than me. Go ahead. Well, basically, it's like, it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not, let's just say things don't work the way they're properly supposed to work when aroused. Okay. There we go. Right? That's pretty PG. That's a great, that was great. Thank you. Okay. It's the locks. Uh, and it's kind of hard to procreate when it doesn't work properly? Yeah, it's kind of hard. Yes. And the, okay, and procreation is something that we were commanded from the... Commanded to do from day one. Adam and Eve, right? Yep, from the okay. day one. So... Interesting, uh, interesting, though, to think that, like, I mean, pornography's... It, it, it's like, yeah, it's so, just crazy so to think. That'd be there's like... A, there's a prescription drug right. called Viagra. Yep. Whose core market used to be old men in poor health. And now it's the young And man. now... Uh, uh, up to a little over 30, a third of young men are having it. It's Dude, crazy I, true, said Mary Sharp with the Reward Foundation, an educational charity focusing on love, sex, and Dude, my, This is crazy to hear this, Brad. In, in, in 2002, it was only 2, 3, 2 to 3%. Now it's up to a third. Oh, crazy how fast so, that changed. That's in just a little the, over the, 10 years. The thing, the thing doesn't work anymore. It's a trip because I remember back in my party days before I joined the church, like over 19, some of my friends were starting to get Vi- Viagra, and they'd be like, "I'm like, what is that? Like, you know, what I mean, like, what's that pill? Like, what, being 19 years old back mm-hmm. in 2005, like you said, it was only old people. Like, that's all that you're talking about. But we were taking it for for because when you drink, you know, blah blah blah. But um, to know that now it's what it's doing to, with pornography addiction, and and actually, if you go to Rat Park, well. What was that podcast we did on the pornography? I need to we need to, I need to give you the links to that because he that's what this guy it's a nerdy TED Talk guy he's mm-hmm. awesome but he's like some Someone type of sent friend. it to me this week again yeah okay yeah. so that one he talks about this yeah thousands so, of men so there's a group so uh, <clears throat> and uh, I, I just kind of laugh at some of the uh, uh, I'm still on social media um, but the most of the LDS stuff does come from out of Utah and man it's just weird it's we it's from the outside looking in, it'd be weird to live there and kind of grew up with that culture all around. So totally. I think a lot of of former members or disenchanted members think like the anti-porn movement is only in the church. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's not. No. So that, that, that's what's cool. Is get that outside yourself. So this. Uh, so there's this group talks. called No Fap. Uh, it's slang Fap? for no masturbation. So there's this guy. Oh, uh, gnarly. He talks about that. Sharp. Uh, Alexander Rhodes uh, created this uh, anti-masturbating uh, group founded in USA. Not a uh, Mormon? He observed. Not a Mormon. What he, do you mean? Yeah, well, that was just the old white men telling yeah, us what to do. old white guys in Salt Lake telling us Telling us not to do this. Okay. Anyways, that's sarcasm in case you can't notice. Yeah. So he said now they equate masturbation with pornography and they don't seem to separate it. Wow. And this this guy, uh, who's 29, started using internet pornography around 11 or 12. And he was the first generation of people who grew up with high-speed internet and porn. That's your generation, right? DSL, baby. And by the time he started having sex at age 19, he continued, I wouldn't maintain 
Uh, I'm just trying to keep it PG. Can't, couldn't maintain what was needed to ma- maintain that to to perform sexually at 19 years does. old. Um, so it's a growing problem. Um, and so if you want to multiply and replenish the earth with your maybe the commandments of our church leaders are inspired. What Brad's basically saying is yeah. that it it's it's the it's cool the longer we become the longer you stay active the more science starts to prove that these commandments are good like smoking yeah. I bet back in the day like oh you Bro, square you Mormons imagine? like look at these doctors tell me what's healthy for can you can you imagine same thing you're going to hear a lot about marijuana on oh, our yep. podcast here yep. right coming up so next, current yep. movement is especially in California now going to be in Utah cuz that bill passed uh, medical marijuana Utah. So it's oh, just a matter of time until recreation yeah, yeah. is going to be there, just like California, yep. where this it's and then hallucinogens, and then yeah. and then we're fully numbed down. Yep. To society. So or the Romans. There we go. Okay, uh, you're not on Instagrams, but I posted Thank this. Heavens. Read that Instagram. <laughs> oh poor Jesus, he looks suffering. Pick his button. He says, "When you can spend three hours on Instagram, but you can't read your Bible for 15 minutes, and it's got the Savior." Looking like, come He's on, like, bro. Yeah, like, come what? on, bro. Like, what are you doing? That's we got a lot of we got a lot of feed. We of- twenty seven people shared, and most of them like like uh, yeah. n- a lot of non members had shared that as well. So, oh, cool. It was a pretty viral post for us. Good, good job. Not we don't we don't cover a subject that a lot of people want to share in social media. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, my last news um, yeah. is this is on newswise.com. Mental health issues increased significantly for young adults. Um, so given that increase in mental health issues was sharpest after 2011, Twenge, this is the guy who wrote it, believes it's unlikely to be due to genetics or economic woes and more likely to be due to sudden cultural changes, such as shifts in how teens and young adults spend their time outside of work and school. If so, that is good news. And it kind of is, right? It can be right? changed. You can yeah. be changed. Said, young people can't change their genetics or the economic situations of their country, but they can choose how to spend their leisure time. First and most important is to get enough sleep. Make sure your device use isn't doesn't interfere with your sleep. Don't keep phones or tablets. Again, these are not Mormon people saying this. Really? Outside, not the old white guys in suits? Not the, the old white guys in suits okay. are not saying this. Interesting. These are secular scientists. Hmm. Young... Uh, First and lot smarter than you and me. First and most okay. important is get enough sleep. Make sure your device doesn't interfere with your sleep. Don't keep phones or tablets in your bedroom at night, and put a device down an hour within an hour of bedtime. Overall, make that. sure your digital media use doesn't interfere with activities more beneficial to mental health, such as face-to-face social interaction, exercise, and sleep. I've gotten so much better. I used to stay up to three in the morning on Instagram, scrolling, scrolling. But you still get up and go surf with me. That's even more amazing, right? When yeah. you think about that, because yeah. I was early every yeah, morning. Yeah, you're always on time on those. Those years were hard. Six oh two, you're texting me why I'm not at your house. Why aren't you here? <laughs> and with Fisher, five thirty in the morning. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but I thought uh, what I I've been kind of bummed out on this because it's like pretty, the statistics of like what's happening is I know I've been down. on a crusade. And media. but it's actually this is it was a neat article because it says hey yeah but are we gonna this may it? be good news because I get I get what you're saying but if, the kids are not gonna fall the kids fall what the adults do so if the adults aren't gonna do it then the kids won't do it yeah because the, they haven't seen the de- this this mental health in older 
it, it affects the tweet, the teenagers. That's because no one's heavier. doing studies on the old people. And but yeah, yeah. I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. No, yeah. I know, I know. It, it, it doesn't. It's just like drugs and alcohol, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take you them get it earlier in life. Yeah, it's going to affect you. If more. you have a balanced life, like right? these kids don't have a balanced life yet. They, their life is still the drama of you know society at 17, 14, 13. You know, your frontal lobe is not developed. But you can't forethought. Yeah. yeah, all those studies are crazy. You know, I agree with what you're saying. I agree with so, you. So we'll post those up, read it, share it. Um, yeah. Uh, let's go short on news today. You let's go, man. You no, know, I just just love doing this podcast, and I'm, I'm excited for our next guest. Yes, our next guest is who? Justin. Reed. Reed. Oh, oh no, Reed. just Justin. This is Justin. Justin Sorry, this is Justin. Yeah, week. yeah, no. This is Justin. Just, so this, Justin's a stud. Um, and, uh, I met Justin at... Uh, so if you're listening to the podcast, we did our town hall yep. uh, that we had uh, at, at someone's home in Laguna Beach. Justin was there. That was when I first met him. And he, 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 you will hear some of the questions, I think, we did on there. Like he, did you do the questions? He asked some questions. Yeah, yeah. Some questions. yeah, the Q&A. So. so he was asked questions on there. So, I've done some work with him. So he's in, uh, this is the first, uh, we've kind of been reluctant to have um, treatment centers on. We just, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Mainly because of... And they're everywhere around and, us. And we, we get hit them. up a lot. Yep. And, and this was, you know... We kind of made it more of a commercial than he did. Yeah, um, like, like he hey, actually didn't want to. He didn't want to, but I thought, you know what? There's a lot of people that need to know. We um, went pretty hard on that. What what resource to go to, and he, I think he's a good resource. So we'll have the links in the show notes for uh, Treehouse Recovery. And totally. it's great to hear his story and his counsel from that side of of how to how to do interventions. Totally. And, and you can what, go to their web, right. which we'll get in the websites and all that stuff. Yeah. But you'll you have they have a lot of resources on their websites. Yeah, it's cool. A lot of studies. Okay, yeah, and nice. then uh, general conference coming up. Yep. Uh, hopefully, you and everyone enjoys that, and uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. So go to your share. We're on, I think, step ten is your share. Boom. And then we'll uh, go in the ask the addict. Cool. I'll share up Jim and Act. I love this step. I hated all the steps at one point, and now I love them all. But this step, this step is never ending, like we've heard tonight. And this step, uh, it turns your recovery you know, from an unachievable thing like we heard, and now it, now it's, that's the baseline. And this step is how you get to, the, to the, the reason why you were put on this earth. It's not just to obtain sobriety. I promise you that. Like, that's definitely one of the requirements to get all the other things and to do all the other things Heavenly Father expects us to do and achieve in this life. But, um, like we've heard tonight, like there's so much more and every year I think I'm like, oh, I got this. Like here's a new rebel thing, you know, and that's really obtainable, like that new thing. You know, I do this step and, and I'm like, okay, what was this thing? You know, I feel these, it's always in these meetings, right? Of course, like I feel this little voice saying, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you cut this out? See what happens. And in the beginning it was like, dude, I got off drugs. Like, I was like, that's enough. Like, right? Like I'm a good husband now. Isn't that enough? Like, you know, I don't need to give up that too. Like that's, that's my favorite little one. That's my favorite little sin, you know, like that, that's the one that gives me comfort. Like, and some of them are just, you know, some of them society says is okay. And some also were not society says okay, but they were still mine, right? Those are my little things, you know, and, and uh, how lucky we are to have a room in the church full of members, full of, you know, Christians that, that, that are honest and open and, and like, and yeah, we still are all, we're realized we're all the same. Like we all have these things. And, and you don't have to, we don't, you know, the church's culture, it's changing. It is. And it already has. And, and we're learning and we're learning from our leaders that the church is not a building. The church is us. Every one of us. And uh, I'm, I, I got to go to Hogue Hospital to see my little cousin 
who was like a little brother to me, um, who finally surrendered, checked into rehab, you know, checked into detox and now a 30 day rehab and after a second DUI and it's rough, you know, it's rough to watch. And today was this, I've never been to the actual treatment side of this whole thing, you know, like I've only been to these rooms. And um, so when I first walk in there, all the family, it's family week, right? So like uh, each one of the addicts, all different ages, you know, from 18 to I think a lady was in her late sixties, you know, it's alcoholic and um Anyways, families are there, and you're reading. They, the alcoholic or the addict reads their letter to their disease, right, out loud in front of their family member, which that's pretty gnarly, right? Um, most of us come in here alone for the first few times, right? Like I did, um, and then and then they hear a letter from their loved one, like which is pretty gnarly, right? Like I'm like, whoa, this is intense. I'm um, like, me and Lexi did that, but like it wasn't in this setting, and uh, <laughs> some family therapist told us to do that, and then that was what. That's that's why we separated, but. Uh, <laughs> Her letter was real. My letter was BS. And so uh, so those things can change your life, man. I love it. I, so I go in there and it's like really somber. And I, I had to remind myself, like, this is like, this is a gnarly situation. It wasn't always fun. I wasn't always showing up here going, I freaking love this thing, you know. But that's how I felt when I was in there. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, this is awesome. And when I, I, I happened to be the last person after 40 people were sharing. And uh, I get to read my letter to my cousin. But like, you know, I little, little, did a little ad living and got a little carried away but I was just like <laughs> I'm excited this is exciting for you man I told him that I was like I'm so, I'm not I'm not bummed you're in here I'm not like oh dude what a what a what a bum you know like I'm like dude this is awesome it's what we've all wanted for you and this is what people wanted for me and you and you and you this is awesome you're alive we could be dead we should be dead and most of our friends are dead so let's just let's just, let's just stop lying to ourselves let's just one thing at a time tackle your addiction first Get that under, you know, get that under wraps, get a sponsor like we heard, and then start working these, these, these other steps, these maintenance steps. First, clean the baggage out, emancipate yourself from your past and your problems, and then take this step, and we heard tonight, if you don't do it, you relapse. It's just a fact. It just is. And it's just a matter of time. And you may not go back to your drug of choice that brought you here, but like we heard tonight, you'll go to something else. You'll go to food, you'll go to this, you'll go to that, social media, I did it all, and I, I'm, I'm cutting it all out. And it's freaking rough at first, but dude, I told someone the other day, they're like, oh, you got a social media, that's cool, like, whatever, and this, that, and the other, and I'm like, it's not cool. I wish I could be on it. Like, I, I wish I could control these things, just like I wish I could control alcohol and drugs and all these other things, but I can't. Like, and I just gotta, like, those are my, that was the spirit telling me, to be honest. Like, I can't control these things. I wish I could. Normal people can. Cool. I'm not that. I'm me. I gotta be honest with me. And, uh, I said, it's a lot easier, just like anything else, to, if you make the decision like you do here, like to never pick up, guess what? It's a lot easier to, to make the right decision to read your scriptures or to pray. Like, so to, for me, step 10, to find these other things, if you make the commitment to, to eliminate sugar, to eliminate these, you know, whatever it is, you know, if you make the decision now, it's a lot easier when you wake up tomorrow and your face, you know what I mean? It's just eliminated. I deleted my accounts. I don't have to make that like, oh, do I get on it? Do I not? Do I read my scripture? I'm always going to go to Instagram. Why would I want to read my scripture? Instagram's, you know, it's good. It fires the brain. Like, but now that it's been gone for a while, I love my scriptures and I'm craving them. And when I don't read them, I feel empty instantly. Now I'm craving that dopamine. That's a good dopamine hit, you know, when you're, when you're hearing this, you know, reading your scriptures. I tell you what, I love it. And, uh, I just love this thing, man. I love the step. I love each one of you. Congratulations. Freaking awesome. And congratulations to you, too, because this, this is, you know, those of us that are lucky enough to have our spouse in this thing with us, 
it's a win for both of you. You both get your chips, right? And, uh, dude, newcomer, rock and roll, dude. You're, you're a good man, and it is not, it's not easy to walk in these rooms, but as you can see, dude, we're, it's all good. We're, we're all in this thing together, and, and uh, you're in the right place, and I say that in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Hey, we're live. Ask the addict section, but uh, yeah, we have an addict here, right? Addict in recovery? How yes. do you, you identify yourself? I, I actually don't use the word addict. Uh, typically, uh, I save that for being in active addiction, just okay. for myself. So I find that the word addict and alcoholic has such a strong sort of monologue behind it that I find it, for me personally, that I, I just don't like to identify that Sweet. way. Yeah, we'll kind of like if someone used to be a smoker or something, and then yeah. they introduce, hey, smoker, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like that kind part of, of my life. Kind of, well, what is your name? My name's Justin McMillan. And where are we at right now? We are in a soon-to-be coffee shop. That's the, that's the vision, <laughs> that's but it's kind of... It looks like a garage, though. Yeah. Like yeah. an old... Uh-huh. We're on site for our listeners. Yeah. So, you know. We're on location. Yeah. What is this compound, the organization called? It's called the Treehouse Academy and Research Institute. Okay. Tell us what that is. So the Treehouse Academy and Research Institute was something that my partners and I decided to fund uh, about 18 months ago now. And its purpose is to study and find out the objective truth about addiction. So we do that in a couple different ways. One, we study our our centers. Um, So the idea is to have some sort of an outside entity that's filled with researchers and PhDs that can look at what we're doing and give us a real honest feedback using solid scientific rigor. And then it also has another side, which is really kind of looking at what the world wants to know about addiction. So it's looking for funding opportunity announcements from things like the NIH or the uh, National Institute of Drug Abuse and looks for things that the government wants to know or the people want to know and then you know decides what to study related to addiction for that so that we can publish and you know share information with the world. In addition to the, the that academy research, um, you have a couple other entities under the Treehouse name. Mm-hmm. What are those? Uh, we have Treehouse Recovery, which is in Orange County, California, and then we have Treehouse PDX, which is Treehouse Northwest, which is up in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Yeah. And those are traditional uh, rehab centers. When when would someone go there? What type of individuals would want to? Yeah. Go so. Uh, the, the first center that we started was in was Treehouse Orange County, and it is a, uh, a drug treatment facility, substance abuse treatment, and we deal with all substances. So uh, we're really good specifically with opioid um, dependence, so that's something that we kind of have seemed like we've really cracked something there. Uh, but the program looks a little bit different than what most treatment centers look like. Uh, it's a five-month-long program. It's six hours a day, five days a week for five months. And the program is extremely physical in nature. So uh, we have, most treatment centers have a a clinical director, right? And that's just kind of, there's an administrative director, a program director, and clinical director. And then then most of what happens in terms of programming, that's what they say inside of a center, is just talk therapy. So we actually have a physical empowerment director and a clinical director. So physical empowerment, you probably haven't heard that before, but it, it, um, it, it is kind of what it sounds like. So, 
the physical empowerment department was created by a former U.S. Navy SEAL from SEAL Team 3. And the objective of the physical empowerment department is to take the clients that are coming through and reconnect them with their bodies in a way to where they understand that they have the ability to make choices, to engage in action that ultimately allow them to have some control and power over the way they think and feel. Which is huge for an opiate addict. Like, I mean, if you're an opiate addict like myself, and I was not even, I could have gone further, right? When you've been living on the street slamming heroin or, you know, for X amount of months or any type of drug for that matter, most of these people are physically, not only are they mentally hooked and out of place, they're physically just under. under, and, and under. A, yeah, and a Pandora's box opens, right? Because yeah. once you start, once you start realizing, so most people go through life thinking that they're pretty much, the, the way they feel is the way they feel. Once you start using drugs, you realize that you have this control, right? It starts out as control. You can control how you feel. You can control it, right? So I feel sad today, so I'm going to take this drug and I'm going to control how I feel. Well, that opens a Pandora's box for people in, that have issues with addiction because we suddenly become addicted to the idea of controlling how we feel. But that quickly goes... Or, or, a, or a, a pill or a substance controls it. Where action. The normies exactly. like me are like, well, I better change where I'm at. Right. You know, where's my... Who am I hanging out with? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I, I look for those things. But yeah. you're saying, okay, that's interesting. It, it's, really, it's really when you really become intimately aware of the chemicals that so, change the way you feel. And Jay, you mentioned that where like, you'd wake up and like, I need some of this, some of this, some of this. Dude, it started from one pill for pre-surgery right for a headache mm-hmm. and as soon as I took it I, re- I remember I'll never forget exactly where I was what I was reading I was reading in the John chapter 14 the scriptures it was in Seattle Washington Maple Valley sitting there in the apartment because the feeling that came over was what he was talking about now all of a sudden not only was physical pain eliminated the amount of emotional stimulation was like oh wow you tell me I take this pill. I don't even know what it's called at that time. It was just a Viking at the time. But that one pill can do this, and it lasted for 12 hours that first time. Whoo! Now I have access to 30 of these, 40 of these, 50, 60, 300, 900. Okay. All so, I got to do is pop one of those. So the question on the research myself. is because when Jay, I That's think I've happened. taken back in on surgery. Yeah. Our reaction are totally different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I take it. Cool. I'm like, uh, like, okay, so maybe sick. did I, do I take that pain away? I'm tired. Yeah. And then I hear Jay's experience. I'm like, I must have taken a different medication. And this is this is really interesting uh, subject. So why is that? Yeah, why right? is that? So I and nobody knows the the actual answer yeah. to this. All and it's funny because yesterday actually we we do some like community advocacy stuff. And yesterday I went to Fashion Island, the mall here, and I went from store to store with one other person, and I asked some questions. We did a survey, and we asked people, "Do you think addiction is a choice, or do you think it's some sort of genetic predisposition?" Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of people said it's a choice, mm-hmm. right? That they believe that they too could potentially be addicted, but they have a, a stronger will to not mm-hmm. use. But there's some issues with that, and there's research that backs this up. So, for example, during Vietnam, there was an incredible number of soldiers that were using drugs in Vietnam. So much so, yeah, so much so that back in the U.S., we were, the administration was going, this is going to be really bad. These guys are all coming back addicted to opium. What do we do here? You know, they were really nervous about it. And there's been a lot of spotlight on this study for other reasons I'll get into in a second. But so all these soldiers came back and they basically told them, you can come back if you can test clean. And it was, I think the, it was called like Operation So Golden. they kept them over there they kept until them they over could there. get clean. Yeah. Now, so they hung a carrot, right? So they've been in yeah. a really horrible environment and they right. said, okay, come back. They were self-medicating and, and maybe recreational like a, yeah, over there. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so 
there was a lot of people in the U.S. freaked out. We're going to have this huge population of soldiers come back. So what happened is they came back, and the majority of them, uh, 90% of them, stopped using. So these are people that were on heavy doses of opioids, but they stopped. Now, there's a strong, there's, there's a lot of people are looking at this because they're saying environment plays such a key role in whether people use or not. Mm -hmm. That's true. But there's another part of it too, which says that at any point in time, the CDC says that 10% of the population is, has a drug problem. Okay, so that's 10%. Same number of soldiers. It was the same number. Same consistent. number. Yeah. So, so now you start to look at this. And again, these Is are all... Is it the same with those that maybe go, you know, you go have major surgery and you're on mm -hmm. opiates. Right. Everyone gets opiates for some sort of major surgery. Is it consistent with 10% those that maybe struggle after? I, I don't know the answer okay. to that. And, and I would say that the data is really lacking in terms of us really understanding this. But okay. there's people are taking stabs at it and they're saying they're drawing a lot of conclusions. And, you know, it gets the, the science gets fuzzier and fuzzier the more people sort of try to jump to it. But mm -hmm. what I'm looking at is going, it's really interesting that 10% of the soldiers still used. 10% of the population is is technically or usually using it at any given time. And so what does that mean? Maybe it really is that one out of 10 people has this thing. So then we hypothesized that early on when we started the program. We said, let's look at this 10th person and let's not, let's not call them an addict. Let's not say anything negative or positive. Let's look at them objectively and just ask ourselves, what is this 10th person? So we look at that. What are the differences between this person and these other nine that would predispose them to drug use? Again, looking at it through as much of an objective lens as possible. And what we landed on through some of the research that we, we did and then some of our own anecdotal information, because most of the people that sort of built Treehouse were, came from a background of abusing uh, drugs and alcohol. What we landed on was that there is a reward system difference between that 10th person and the other nine. So what does that mean? Well, we all have this uh, reward system, this limbic system that kind of lays underneath our frontal cortex that is operating and driving us to move forward in any direction. Well, human beings are not all equal, right? So you could hypothesize, and a lot of people are, are doing this. There's a professor from Yale I just heard on a podcast recently saying, talking about this exact thing, that people with a predisposition to addiction have a overly developed reward system. So what does that mean? That means that my drive or Jay's drive could be greater than other people's drive. But without um, being directed or without the right recipe of things in place, as soon as you add drugs and alcohol to that drive and you activate that reward system, the feeling for him versus the feeling for you can be wildly different. That doesn't mean that your level of discipline isn't like 10 times more than Jay's or whatever. It's not, discipline's different than drive. You're talking about that intrinsic, just I won't stop. Like somebody that would run 100 miles without quitting because they just can't stop, you know, or somebody that, so what's interesting about this is if you take all the negative stuff around addiction off of the, the subject and you consider what it means to be able to push your body to its, its extremes despite whatever's going on around you and then you take a person and you this is what I meant about looking at people through a lens of you know say a thousand years when considering addiction if you take them out of our environment now where we don't have to put any physical stress on our body and you put them in an environment where they have to work really hard physically suddenly that reward system is a very like, valuable thing. very valuable right and so now it's like maybe being born with a predisposition to addiction actually isn't this terrible thing, maybe it's a combination of that, and then there's another piece that we've identified. Am I going? No, good. That's great. Right. Okay. I can just like... No, no. That's what is it different? Um, this is awesome. And, and one of the reasons I'm intrigued by this topic too is like, 
because I saw some friends they'd smoke weed. One one hit, one joint, boom, they're weed. They're mm-hmm. awake and baking all the time. Others yeah. like, eh, they like it. So the one pill, maybe it's the one drink. But there, but have you found is it, uh, you know, there's some disposition to be more opiate. You know, that activates it for sure. some people on opiates, more on, uh, on you know, uh, uppers like speed or, or well, cocaine. Yeah. So you experiment with a lot of drugs and opiates seem to be the one that, yeah, really. I mean, alcohol, yeah, like, yeah, 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 all of them, anything I would touch, I would take it to the extreme, just like anything else, surfing or any reward system, anything yeah, that can, okay. I've learned this over the six years, what I told you, same thing as why I got off social media. I've learned that, like, sushi, sushi, sushi. Mm-hmm. I have to control everything that, uh, uh, everything. You crazy when I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, and I'm, I'm like, what do you like mean? Why would we, why would we stop? This mm-hmm. is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. why, let's just eat until we and literally like, can't take another bite. Because we 100 bucks and I'm full? Or my brain's still going, no, I want more reward. I don't know. I was like, no, is that I have that tendency to take everything to the extreme and everyone looks at that as a negative but like you just said if you can identify with that era that might uh, that was a yeah. positive or yeah. even pre-industrial revolution exactly. when, when people were having to get up every day and have a relationship with their body like how do I use this thing to accomplish the goals that I need like how do I forge through this path or you know travel 15 miles to and from wherever I, was, I need to go to get water I was born in the wrong era I, yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing. That's we have an animal nickname. Yeah. That's why I'm we're, the bison. So, uh, <laughs> El bison. El bison. El bison. But we're we're genetically almost identical to our ancestors. Yeah. But we live in an environment oh, that is completely oh, different. Just the first time in the history. thirty years, it's way different. Absolutely. And, and no yeah. other yeah. no other generation, like you were saying before we started the cast, like there has been no other humans ever on the planet's existence that we know of, at least. That have ever had what we've had, where it's been this easy to get food, yeah. shelter, water, and not right. have to physically we're not worrying do it. about what right. we're going to so eat. Now that part of us is dormant that needs to that is really good at doing that, and then yeah. you throw some drugs on there that go right to that point, and just boom. and so that's one of our theories, and we've been playing with that, and we've been treating to that <clears throat> idea, and we've been seeing a lot of success in that way. There's another piece though too that we've identified, which and this isn't just from us. There's a a guy that's done a bunch of research on this, his name is Gabor Mate. He's a doctor up in, out of Canada. And uh, he's really done a good job in, in looking at the neuroscience of addiction, specifically related to trauma. And trauma, uh, and what he, what he kind of looks at is that, he, what he says, let me see if I can make this real simple. First six years of a person's life, they're building their personality and their implicit memory system is, is in play. So these are memories you will not be able to access later. And this is building the kind of the entire neural fabric of our personalities, this first six years of our life. What he thinks is that some of us do that in a way where those connections are made in a much deeper, stronger way and that little things can affect, um, for example, let's say you've got two kids, one that has this predisposition to addiction and another one who doesn't that one kid that has a predisposition when he has a teddy bear when he's a kid he loses the teddy bear the way that affects him is much greater than the other kid and if you've been around children I have three of them you see how they're very different one kid can have this very deep exact same situation but they react to a very exactly right so so there's this other theory that there's there's a bunch of things going on you know in the younger years that shape the brain that actually cause people that have, again, this 10th person that has, uh, that they have a different way of processing emotions, that they feel emotions in a deeper Deeper way, way. right? So now you take these things and you combine, you drop that person in an environment that's deeply disconnected, 
Uh, so they're not developing deep social connections. Mm-hmm. I.e. Then, the modern world. The modern world. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then you don't feed, you know, you don't honor the genetic legacy that we have that exists in our bodies, mm-hmm. which is, you know, needs to move and do these other things. And then you add drugs to that and suddenly you have a recipe for disaster. And I think that is probably more what addiction is than what... And, and I'm drawing... These are not my ideas. This is drawing from all over so many different people that are the brightest of all mind sciences yeah honestly pulling it together yeah Yeah. so it's interesting because most of our i think most of our audience may be members of our church 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 these christ saints and give you a little education on our doctrine our beliefs this is in line with what our beliefs are which are before we were born we lived as spirits Mm -hmm. before and and we had these dispositions Mm -hmm. so so for us when we see the children identical twins with completely different Personality, you know how they react to mm-hmm. a toy getting taken away, but it's not a surprise to us because we're like, that's that's how this is through eternities before here, and now we just have a human. We're experiencing this human with mm-hmm. his body, mm-hmm. spiritual beings, you know, spiritual beings with this with this. What do you you say? Really? Yeah, well, it's that it's that quote from what's his name where he says, you know, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience; we're, we're spiritual beings yeah. having a human experience. Like that's yeah. that literally. I love that. It's an amazing yeah, quote. It's a eight style quote, but yeah. it fits in line with our doctrine and what we believe in. And it's set, and secondarily is we have this thing called a shame culture in our church. Mm-hmm. No different than the world. Maybe more more heightened because we have this code of, of Ethics, health. Yeah. Code mm-hmm. of health of we shouldn't drink. Sure, we shouldn't uh, uh, take drugs for recreational purposes to, mm-hmm. to get high or whatever. Um, and so when our members do do that, there's like, well, you should have done it in the first place. Right. Um, where... It's added on, but I think that, that you know, seeing this perspective of why are I mean, people are going to experiment. Some people get them prescribed. Uh, That's one of the to- totally mm-hmm. uh, properly, yeah. and then they have this reaction. Mm-hmm. Our members should not have that shame attached to it of like, wait, why are you abusing this? Right, which is how we all look at it now. Us yeah. three sitting here, yeah. you know, like in the beginning, we all three at our separate lives, right? All coming in different lives to addiction, like different ages. Mm-hmm. We we all probably felt the same way. We all shamed ourselves. We ashamed the people around us. Now we're like, if anyone were to call Justin, Brad, or me, all separately, like. Awesome! You got a problem? Let's talk about it. Like, sure. there's zero negative anymore. Like, you don't see it that well, way. It's not awesome. You have a problem. Well, no, no, awesome no. that you are admitting it. You're admitting yeah. that's what because I mean. then there's help. There's we don't look at it like, oh, your guy calls you a stage four, pre- you know, cancer, and you go, yeah. odds are he's gonna die. Like, that's a call where you're gonna be like, oh, okay, let's uh, yeah. let's get our last conversation. But out. with skin cancer, you're like, oh, sweet, we got it early. How early cool. are we? Okay, yeah. let's which is different though. The world is always treated this as a terminal, like terminally yeah. unique and. You're the terminally 10% or whatever. You're, right. you're destined. You're a failure. You're, you're this. You, look at your whole life you've been this way. So see, mm-hmm. you're never going to make it. And that's what a lot of – I used to say that about people. Yeah. I said it. Yeah. No, I totally <laughs> – So – and now the science – I love it. It's mm-hmm. proving that it's not the case. Yeah. At well, least it, so it's pointing that way. Well, it, and it's so important too because like the, you know this for sure. I know you know this because in order to get well, you have to love yourself. But addiction kind of – creates a lack of love in one's life and so like I always tell people how do you help somebody that's in addiction it's like you just have to love them you have to love them so hard you have to be a conduit for that love because they, they can't find it in themselves in the same way and and what happens is I lost my train of thought here um talk about loving yourself loving myself loving yourself oh know this oh um if you uh the, the stigma that exists around addiction if you can't separate 
the the things that have happened related yes. to addiction from the sort of we say you know uh, uh, one of the things one of the therapists here says all the time is a child of God with infinite value of infinite value you know and the idea is that he must be a member of our church <laughs> I know right that's just the eternal principle yeah but but it's, yeah, it, it's it, true. the idea is that you have to take you know at, when we're shame. when we're born we we we're these perfect little beings, right? Totally. And, and, and then we start to become, we start to measure ourselves based on the product of our existence, right? Mm-hmm. So, and choices. then, yeah, choices. And then it suddenly that becomes your story, you know? And like society that's, backs that up. They yeah, push that up. exactly. Your story. And so, so if you've gone through a, a few years of addiction, you have this really negative story wrapped around you. Mm-hmm. And you have to peel that back yeah. and remind Separate. someone that they're just a beautiful, perfect being. And then and, from there, And this brother talking right here is not a member of our church. So yeah, that's why we keep saying in the members of the church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, <laughs> because that is that is what we should be, that's what we should all believe, mm-hmm. and that's what we are taught by our church leaders and by their scriptures. But I think but we we're have seeing some these members men fight. And women. It's hard to do that. It's hard to live by that. Hard men, to not. men and women. Everyone we see come to our ARP yeah. meeting, like your list. ARPs are twelve step. Mm-hmm. You visited. They come in and they have a belief before their addiction yeah. of this, and they, we teach it on Sundays and stuff. But once again, this is such a strong principle in society that we separate ourselves. And when you said that, you know, I know that. I remember thinking, what was the biggest? T- I started thinking, what's the biggest turning point in my? Someone asked me this the other day, like, what what did it for you? It was being able to separate my past decisions from my current reality. Yep. And some people look at that, and I even looked at it that way. It's like, no, you're getting yourself off the hook. You know, you need to you need to be there. But then when I start realizing, you know, the principle of the past, it's physically not tangible. So why would I hold myself to something that's physically not even there? You can't touch it. You can't touch it. You can't smell it. It's gone. Absolutely. And as soon as I could separate myself from my past and go, I can't do anything about that. But today on is going to be my new story. Mm-hmm. Then it was like, oh. And people say, well, you're, you're signing off on your BS. No. No. You're accepting it. You can't control it. Mm-hmm. But you and now it's putting height. Heighten awareness on what you can control, which is the present. Yeah. yeah. And then boom. There's all of a sudden, you love yeah. yourself all of a sudden, mm-hmm. slowly. Now all yeah. of a sudden, you open the door for loving yourself. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing about that, Jay, and this is – and you know this when you work with people that are trying to get well. It's like you have to – it's like saying, okay, I'm going to ask you to fight the hardest battle of your life, but I want you to remember that you're a terrible person. You've done all these horrible things. <laughs> right? you, have to, you, you can't do that. Like if you're, if you're trying to rally somebody up, you have to peel all that back and remind them that – and this, this infinite value thing, we teach this and – in a class, I mean, we we literally go through this with the guys and ask them a question: What is a child worth? And you know, a baby Should worth? Should we give you copies of the Book of Mormon to read you? With you them? can give me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, we ask what a baby's worth, and yeah. they always say, "Well, you can't put a value yeah, on a baby." And then I say, "Well, what, what happens? How do we get from that point to this point where we start judging ourselves?" And um, oh, it's so cool yeah. you just said that. But yeah, all of, every client that walks through these doors has an intimate understanding of that idea, and they we try to pull them back. That's the first thing you're getting into. You have to. You have to. You have to separate the person from the disease. You have to separate those things out. 100%. And then the goal is to get. You know, I tell them if you could somehow, if you could truly know the the perfection that you are, there's no way that you would ever want to hurt. Want to hurt again. yourself again? Because yeah. I remember making that connection that first year of recovery. So one of the meetings I was in, I was like we're like pretty much committing suicide with it, you know, like a slow suicide. Like I would never do that. But then yet, and I, you know, so, you know, when you have those aha moments, you're like, whoa, but then, you know, to get the new guy to feel that way right off the bat is very challenging. Yeah. We're slowly killing ourselves with this drug. But once you love yourself, you'll never, when people say, well, you know, yeah, I I don't run. I love, I remember that feeling. I'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. That those pills access, but what came 
after is you know you learn you, anyway yeah. you eventually learn so a question around loving them loving our loved ones and getting them in the treatment because I think we mix up uh, loving someone to death meaning loving them in their addiction uh, yeah. and you love them and you, but you don't help them and they get worse and worse and worse as opposed to getting better right so what are some ways that people can you're and this is what you do right with your uh, treatment centers like how what's the proper way or there are probably many ways what are some ways you suggest to love someone to get them treatment and get them help because there's okay. a lot of loved ones listening right now sure right? so okay so I think it starts with understanding first understanding the, the mind space of the person that you're working with or the head space and understanding that there's a even though you may love them that, that the chance that they really can understand and love themselves in that moment is is far worse than you could possibly imagine what goes on in their head and how they feel about themselves. Because, Jay, how many, we get a lot of these. I get calls and texts weekly. Hey, so-and-so, you know, hey, just between you and us, you know, mm-hmm. this loved one, you know, whatever, something bad happened. I sure. mean, I think maybe they're fine. They came home drunk. They wrecked the house. They didn't come home, you know, mm-hmm. all these things. And then we don't hear from them again. Yeah. Like, and they're like, you think they're almost ready to get help, but then I think that people get scared mm-hmm. to like get them help. Yeah, and they the just hope ones. they hope it goes away. They hope yeah, that maybe a, they're just gonna just know just that. Fix yeah, you just need to know that whatever you're seeing, it's way worse inside that person's head in terms of the self-loathing and just the horrible things that are going on and internally. And so now, if you know that, then you know what it is—the void that you have to fill. Right, this person is incapable of loving themselves in that moment, and so. Our job is to be love for them. So we have to do everything we possibly can to demonstrate love to them. So there's some healthy but, ways but, of that. Yeah, but there's, a, there's a, a, a caveat to this, right? So I, I'm going to be here for you. I love you. You're an amazing person. You, you deserve to have an amazing life, but I'm not going to participate in helping you die or destroy yourself. That's the caveat. And so what does that mean? I'm not going to participate. That means I'm not going to give you money that's going to make this worse, right? I'm not going to put myself in a position to where I am contributing in any way to you continuing to be sick. Rides, housing, any of those types mm-hmm. of things. And that's the hardest. That's so hard for that's the hardest. Thing I have for my family. own personal loved ones oh. listening to this, guaranteed, yeah. that are dealing with another loved one so, in our family. So, yeah. so what about that's a spouse? Not... It's a spouse, mm-hmm. and the spouse is the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. And so it's, that's even a trickier position because they're not providing the home, the right. car, things like they're they're a recipient of that, you know, maybe a functioning alcoholic, for mm-hmm. example, or a functioning drug addict. So there's a couple different, there's a couple different things. So if you have a community and I know that in your church, you have a big community. So I think finding um, community to help support you is a vital part of the equation. We already have built in. And that's, I mean, you have to have that And a person needs to say your husband is doing something like this, that's ripping him apart, ripping the family apart and yeah. has put a barrier between you and him you have to find a, a support system first, right? I would say that's vital. Okay. And then the next piece is that, depending on what they're doing, right? So okay. process addictions are different than chemical addictions. So if they're process addiction situation, gambling, sex addiction, some of these things, that's a different animal than chemicals, right? Um, they're similar, but they're different. On the chemical side, if you have somebody who is deeply uh, entrenched in active addiction, there's things going on with their brain that you need to know about so you understand how to talk to them and how to work with them. 
so the first thing you need to know is that the prefrontal cortex of the brain is completely haywire. So it's gone mostly dormant. If you were to scan someone's brain, Literally the no frontal cortex is, is, if they're really heavy into active addiction, it is like completely dormant. Regardless of the, the if substance, substance. Or the, that's only chemical? It's, that's the chemical side. Okay. And, and, but there's actually... There, similar there's, on process, it right? is It is similar on process, but I would say that... Uh, and, and I'm not a, I'm not a neuroscientist, so I'm just telling there's you. There's a what, lot of studies. If yeah, I'm telling you what the you doctors we work with are yep. saying. And, and but so this part of the brain is going dormant, and so now what happens is there's a, a series of functions that this person no longer has. And when you hear what these are, it's going to blow your mind because it's it's so amazing that if you, okay, so so UCLA, there's a doctor called Dan Siegel there, and he's an amazing neuroscientist, and he really works on. Uh, interpersonal neurobiology, so the neurobiology of relationships between people. And he has developed a framework, and this they're all frameworks for what the frontal cortex does. Nobody knows exactly because all these things overlap and they all try to kind of come up with their own systems. So Siegel says there's nine functions, and these nine functions are all, he says, they all are related to us being able to interact socially. And he makes an argument for this saying that, you know, uh, animals that don't have that part of their brain don't have social environments and they, they don't interact socially. They don't, they just react to everything. Okay. So these nine things, what are they? One of them is impulse control, right? Which is really interesting. So imagine if you don't have impulse control. So you're going to talk to your husband whose brain is malfunctioning and he doesn't have impulse control. So that's gone offline. Another one is he defines, he says morality, and this isn't like an ethical side of morality. This is just thinking about how your actions affect your immediate surroundings. Mm -hmm. And the way that he came up with these was he looked at brain scans or brain damaged patients and looked at characteristics and looked at thousands of them and said, okay, when that part of the brain is damaged, for some reason, people can't think about these things or do these things. So forward thinking, being able to sit in a moment like you're playing chess and think out different possible ways of going and then make a decision. So if that goes away, you can't stop and think about these different things. And then the big ones are empathy. So I can't, no longer being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, which is insane. And then attunement, like being able to feel and be felt. So when you're looking at him and you're crying, he, he literally actually, doesn't feel it. He literally doesn't feel it. So think about like you're if you you have to look at it almost like in a sense of like a, the body is a machine and the brain is a machine in this instance, and like there's all these applications that aren't working, mm-hmm. and then you're trying to communicate with that in a language that it doesn't understand, yeah. and it's it gets um, really muddy. Rather than a- so yeah, so here's some some tricks that work, and we do this with interventions. So. Some things that work are, so traditionally interventions work where people sit down in a circle with somebody and they'll, they'll sort of tell them the pain that they're causing them. We don't do it that way at Treehouse. What we do is we go back to a time before the person was in active addiction and we ask them to, we, we bring up stories about their time when they were doing really well. And almost 100% of the time, the, the, so the, the pain and the, the, the trying to hold that mask will drop and tears start flooding. Because they remember what it was. They remember who they were, right? And then the lo- then the doors open, and then it's like, you're still that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay. It's all good. Like, you just, all you got to do is make this step with us right now. Like, we're ready. We're here for you. Just, just take our hands, out. and we're going to walk you through this, and you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to hate yourself. Like, don't think about any of that right now. Like, don't think about Because the biggest thing is, 
through the cycle of addiction, you have all this damage. The damage becomes more painful. Then you search out drugs to avoid the pain, and then you get more damage, and then more it becomes cycle. more painful, and then you search out drugs. So, so you have to figure out a way to remove all that pain. So taking somebody down memory lane is a really good... And that's kind of that's like the crazy insight. part he's saying, Brad, is like, this is so true. What he's saying, I'm thinking about all the times. Like, you almost, it's like, it'd be like uh, amnesia, like, you know, someone who has Alzheimer's, but they remember themselves, but they can't convey it to you. Like, it's, it'd be like a prison. That's mm-hmm. what it's like. When you're active in your addiction, you know who you are deep down in there. So every day you wake up and you look yourself in the mirror before you take the first drink or pill. You remember that. You know you're who you are not being dependent on you, you, Yeah, you remember that that's not who you are anymore. So then what do you do? You're like, I need it. I can't remember that. Like you you're trying to drown yeah. out the memories. Yes. Yes. It becomes you become so sick that you're doing everything possible to avoid remembering who you were because it then if you if you remember who you were, now it now how do you excuse your behavior for the last twenty years, mm-hmm. ten years, five years? Exactly. Years? And then and then what's worse about this or what makes it even worse is that the very nature of the brain is it's just this a beautiful thing that just yeah. learns and grows and morphs based on stimulation and what you feed it, right? So as a person feeds these thoughts and these things to their brain, the brain is shaping and changing around the behavior. So it's just constantly growing and shifting. So the person's just getting more sick. Or and that's why pain. that's why you make the argument. I think the, the strongest argument for it being a disease is is absolutely there. It's just the brain brain diseases in general are are very strange because the brain itself is constantly Adapts. growing and adapting, right? Mm-hmm. So you're getting worse or better. Yeah. So uh, quick commercial note. This isn't a commercial thing, but like there's probably someone listening. Like how, how would they get in contact with you to have an intervention if they're locally and sure. Southern California or Pacific Northwest? Like what area? To be honest, if a person needed an intervention, yeah. we can dispatch somebody to okay. anywhere in the country. So what? Yeah. Who would someone reach out to? And are you men and women or are you just? We just treat men, but we have resources yep. to okay. place any, there's anybody who calls our. So what's a phone number they can call or website? Um, the website is www.treehouserecovery.com. Okay. We'll we put that put in our show notes. Yeah. Okay. And, and there's a million there. ways to reach us through, through that. And then so if it you does, just Google Treehouse Recovery, that would be you mm-hmm. guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and if and if that person Treehouse Recovery Costa Mesa TreehouseRecovery.com. Yeah, and then there's Treehouse um, PDX as mm-hmm. well. Um, but yeah, TreehouseRecovery.com. Not to be confused with Treehouse Rehabs, who we're we're in the process of talking to about their name. They're they like, use, they're like, our, like construction rehab. Like, uh, yeah. they're, they're using, they're yeah. using our, well, they've been using our name. They're down in Texas and they're, they need to stop. Okay. That's going to happen. <laughs> not so don't, yeah, not affiliated. They're okay. not affiliated with them. So that, I mean, that's something that maybe a professional would benefit to our, to have that conversation for an intervention. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So because yeah. imagine doing this, you need a, if you're listening to this and, and you have a loved one, and this is, you know, they need treatment that the 12 step meeting, the ARP, going to church, none of that stuff is working. They need uh, further more care. Do not try to do that on your own. Don't try to do it with your bishop. Don't. If you're not a trained professional and your emotions are so tied into this individual that you love, guess what? You're not strong enough, nor are you equipped. It's not that you're not good enough. It's just you're not equipped. Just like if I'm going to say this with sponsorship, if I, I can't teach you how to climb Mount Everest. I've never done it. And there's people literally frozen up there from doing it without the right guides. Like they're still dead. They're still frozen. And they look at it this way. You need to have someone who knows what they're doing who can do this for your loved one. That's the best opportunity you can. You do not want to do this by yourself. I've Even me, I mean, I've done these 12-step calls and uh, I can count on one hand how many times they work. 
I'm not a professional. Like if you be, do, if you do this all, all the time for your job, guess what? You get really hyper focused and really good. Mm-hmm. You if know, you so want to save someone's life. You want to have absolutely the, the people that I someone have been good with is because they were ready. Yeah, the ones that weren't ready, I don't, I wasn't equipped. I don't. That's not my profession. I'm not reading journals all day long of how to do this. And these people are. These professionals are. What What's the ballpark cost for that? Like, is there a cost? I'm assuming there's I, a cost. Right? Yeah, there's what's, so what's there's what's a range. I would say anywhere between fifteen hundred dollars for like a local situation, and then a guy that I know that's really good. I've actually we've never, I haven't used him, so we haven't used him through Treehouse, but I've known about him for about fifteen years, and it's just because he's he's all over the country. I think he charges between like eight and twelve, but the idea with that eight and twelve thousand. The idea with that is that he stays with the family ongoing, and he, he runs doesn't live there. He well, no, he he just. He will once that family signs him up. Okay. He's going. If it takes two years, okay. He's going to keep working that's, with them. That's amazing. And yeah, he's like a. He's really a special person, and we just recently. I, I've just yeah. recently said that like we need to yeah. figure out a way be working yeah. together. Yeah, but he. Um, and then he runs a family group too. And, that, and it sounds expensive, but. I mean, you hear all the time where you lost everything. So how much is a funeral? So Listen, how much is a funeral like going to cost? How much house, is your divorce, car, right? your job. house? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So when you weigh the cost, if you're looking at cost solely versus a loved one's life, I mean, obviously they don't have the, the hope is from the normies perspective is like maybe they're not because there is this that's stigma with addiction, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, well, they're not addict. They they just have a a quantity problem right now, and if we can just get them a break and maybe get them some new friends. Then just get him off the pot. He'll be good. Yeah, right. we'll just stop for a week. Then we'll be good. Yeah. Um, and how many people have we it, seen stop and then they go right back? Yeah. It's, so I think people know they just don't admit it. That's mm-hmm. what would be my advice. Yeah. Um, and then okay, so a couple questions on treatment. So we obviously are familiar with twelve step programs, and we've seen people that had an intervention or had some hit the bottom or mm-hmm. whatever whatever caused that that uh, step one that honesty. Uh, happen and they went to 12 step meetings and they you know they went to 90 meetings in 90 days or 30 yeah. meetings 30, like they that got them on the path mm-hmm. um, and that's miraculous in and of itself um, from your perspective or in, with treatment centers is there uh, do you have some hard lines or recommendations that you'd have of when one would need, for sure need to go into treatment versus one that's like for sure or you could probably get away with 12-step only meetings. Yes, I do. I, I don't know hard lines. I think yeah, that's or, something. Yeah. I, or your opinion. I think it can be dangerous for people to go to treatment who don't have, like, if they if their addiction hasn't gone to uh, a certain level, I think it can be bad for them to go to treatment. Okay. And, I've, and we've had people try to come here that are not necessarily fit for it. And yes, this we operate a business, but... You, you can't I'm not going to take somebody who has very little exposure and put them into a room with a bunch of people that have I, I don't know that that's necessarily the best well thing. this is why we're talking to you because Chase met with you a long time and he's told me he's like these guys are legit like there's a lot of shady care. I'll speak for myself yeah. a lot of shadies in this industry mm-hmm. out for the dollar yeah. and secondary we can help someone that'd be great mm-hmm. um, but what Jay is overly impressed if it's it's not that case with you guys. So thank that's you from our experience. I appreciate so, that. Um, yeah, that means a so, lot. So uh, you would be able to determine that on yeah. intake type situation. Yeah. And so in the way that that works is in, in every treatment center should be doing this, yeah. and, but there should be a really extensive intake assessment done. And during that, and that's usually takes a couple hours and you look at the severity of addiction and most people use what's called uh, ASAM criteria. It's American society of addiction medicine. 
and they're looking at these different dimensions of a person's life. Because sometimes in the church, if someone drinks, you know, going out for work and had some beers with their buddies, mm -hmm. oh, they're an alcoholic all of a sudden. And no, they just went and drank beers. Right, right. I don't think that that would... Yeah, but there's some in our culture that if you did that... And they got the money. And they're like, oh, you got a problem. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean they do. Right, right. right. But then there's different types of problems because it could be just a problem with that person's personal constitution and, or yeah. what they're, how they're living their values in their life, right. you know, and the principles of their life. Um, what, what addiction treatment that's kind of focused in on hitting all of these different elements of a person's existence from the biological, psychological, and social, um, that's really when someone's in a point where they can't stop and everything around them So that's part of that process, apart. right? Say you're yeah. checking the biological. You have to again? biological, psychological, and social um, elements, and you're looking at you're looking at if, if their life is falling apart, meaning that um, they're no longer able to maintain a job, their relationships are falling apart, um, you know, they're spending all of their money, they, they tell you they can't stop, they're emotionally a mess, um, their life patterns in general are completely off. These were all these signs. You know, it, the first thing is really when someone completely shuts themselves off to you. That's, I mean, if it, yeah, when a person recluses and, and kind of goes inward and you can tell, you know, I mean, uh, you, that's kind of the first step you see as someone goes inward and then you'll start seeing the damage that happens. And then depending on how severe the addiction is, it'll, you know, it can very quickly turn into, I don't care about anything in my life except for this substance. Mm -hmm. And that's horrifying for a loved one. Yeah. Which and it's just, and, and, and what you need to know if you're, I mean, if anyone's going through this, you need to know that it's not you, it has nothing to do with you. And that there's absolutely a way back from that. Like it's the saddest thing in the world to to Can't see hear people say that. Yeah, to see like someone's wife or husband or you know just thinking that this I you know I'm married for I'm married for my life. I'm having children. I have all this, and now everything is different. And I'm never going to have what I had before. And that's just not true. There is absolutely a path back. I've seen it. You've seen it. We you guys have yeah, seen we, it. That's our most of our. This is the I'll ask the addict segment where we interview them so that mm -hmm. we can provide that hope of. Yeah, we've seen like, people eating out yeah. trash cans come in and then yeah. change their lives. Yeah, like, I yeah. mean all the time. Totally. Just from this alone, like the addiction, the the education of the human, like taking this to another level, and this is where I think I'm so so impressed is because you know a lot of the stuff that you talk about here, I had to do this at, like I did the twelve steps for myself, obviously, but there's nowhere in AA culture or in the church's literature that teaches you know how to go further. The principles are there throughout the doctrine, mm -hmm. like you know of what we believe in in our scriptures, but. If you just took it one sentence at face value, like you, you got to study. It's just like anything else. You want to study, you know, you, you can learn how to surf. And there's a difference between learning how to surf and being able to surf, yeah. you know, pipeline, right? Like, or like Hawaii, we're both surfers. And, and so it's like anything else. If you want to take it to another level, you can. And that's why when I first met you, it was like, we both kind of clicked. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then when I gave me a tour of Treehouse, you know, everyone who's listening to this podcast knows how I feel about recovery centers. And uh, just from a warp view I got, but some of it's true. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw, I'm like, man... I had to figure this out over six years, studying one subject at a time, listening yeah. to one podcast that was like, whoa, like the other one the other day. We recorded a porn uh, segment the other day because of the rat study, the, the, the rat park study mm -hmm. that was done and connection. It's the same thing you and I have talked about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's new science coming out, but the average person just does their 12 steps and they, you know, I've said this before, it's the bar, but like it, it needs to become the foundation mm -hmm. because... If I just wanted to live sober for the rest of my life, that's awesome. It's way better than slamming heroin, pills, alcohol, sex, all that stuff. 
But we believe in our faith, and I think most people, like you said, addicts especially, those of us who are the 10% or whatever percent we want to give that, we feel more. We want to achieve more, and there is more if you want to go there. And yeah. so to be able to have it, what I'm getting at to wrap that back around the treehouse, if you to be able to go from chaos to that in five months, I would have done anything to know about this place six years ago. I had to sp- I had to do one thing, which is fine. It's my story, but reality is like success rate, you know, taking it to another level, springboarding you after five months, you could literally be on a path. Now you're not done. You got to still self-improvement and all that stuff. Yeah. That, yeah. You're just getting started though, but the so, foundation so is what you're crash course. Is five months made up got made fast track to you to what you took. Totally. My now. first five months was just trying to like maintain sobriety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just Me literally too. white knuckling. I had done the first step and admitted it. My wife came back. So I pretended like I was going to do the other steps, but I ain't doing the four step. Are you kidding? I'm not going to talk about my past. <laughs> I just eliminate myself from my bed. I won't talk about it. Like, you know what I mean? I, what if that caused me to use I, all these excuses of the world? But then I realized there was still emotion there. So then when I finally connected by hearing a podcast, had nothing to do with the church, had nothing to do with AA, finally realizing if I didn't deal, someone said, if you still have emotion attached to any memory, you're not dealt, you haven't dealt with yet. I go, all right, I got to do this step then. You know what I mean? Because I want to be able to talk about everything without being emotional and, and unless it needs to be, have sure. emotion, right? And that's what this did. And so if you're listening and you're at a, you're at a place in your life where you know you need next level care, like we're not talking about going to church and an AA meeting is not going to do it for you or a loved one. We've even interviewed you know, Ryan on here and he went to a treatment center for all men for sex addiction in Utah. And I was against it. I was like, dude, you don't need that. Blah, blah, blah. But it turns out he did. He came back and he said it was the best experience. It gave him the foundation he needed to protect himself for that first 90 days or 60 days, whatever he did. And now he goes to meetings regularly. He's out sponsoring. He's got, he's back to, he's back to success as long as he continues to do the requirements. So many other people are not, many are not because they're trying to say, you know, all the things in the world. So if you're at that level and you're listening or your loved one, you think maybe at that level, please, you know, please reach out to the link, you know, reach out to us, click on the link that we're going to attach to this because I just wish I knew this existed six years ago. I could think of countless people and current people I still know that are out running and gunning that I used to use with six years ago. Um, wow. There's a big difference between housing someone and this. We're, you and I are very similar, I think, because I, I didn't go through Treehouse and I got sober learning these things. A lot of this way the program was built was based on my own experience, you know? And yeah, yeah I just, I, I constantly reminded of that. Like yeah. you're, you're, this guy, like you said, you know, he's been like, he's amazing. I know you know that, but I, when I went to that it's meeting, but going to that, that, that meeting, uh, yeah. Yeah. Know, tell I us would, what you're, cause you went as a non-member to an AR, to an yeah. AR in our church chapel and went to an ARP meeting. What was your, I was nervous at first, yeah. right? Walk through your whole emotions. Yeah. No, I walked in. I was nervous. I went, I went with, a, why were you nervous? Um, because I didn't want to, okay. I'm, I'm going to be really honest. Yeah, um, that's what we're all about. So I'm not, I don't go, I used to go to 12-step meetings. I don't go to 12-step meetings anymore. I, uh, the, and, I, and the reason for that is because the culture in 12-step meetings sometimes is hard for me to, to because um, the culture is down here in Southern California. That Each one has its own little mini mm-hmm. sort of culture, right? Mm-hmm. And so as I came in, I was, I was with Dave, uh, who's an amazing, lovely man that brought me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as we were pulling up, I'm thinking, okay, what is the culture of this meeting going to be? Yeah. And I was super nervous thinking, like, one, um, that you guys would not want me to be there. Like, I thought I would be, 
like some sort of an outsider. My sister and my sister, and my niece are both uh, LDS church, and um, my uh, my niece just got into BYU by the way. Oh, so that's that's, that's, that's not easy. No, that's not easy. no, it's, <laughs> uh, it's exciting. She was like in tears about it, but. Uh, so I'm familiar with the church, but I also, and I don't believe that, my, my perception is not that the church is in any way um, judgmental. Like, I don't see it that way. Yeah. Um, but I also but was we like, are sometimes. We, I'm the sure church isn't, is, but the members can people be. Are. Yeah, people, people are. are. People are. Yeah. People are, right? Yeah. So you go in there with so, that mindset. So I go in there with that mindset. I have no idea. And, I've, and I was told a little bit about you and, um, and you, both of you guys, and how you guys had set this up. I think you mentioned the radio. He said radio show, Dave. That's <laughs> Dave. Uh, and then sat down and like, you know, then I wonder, like, do people wonder who I'm here? Like, am I an outsider sitting here? And then what was the first thing I noticed was that there was men and women there and that there were couples there and people were sitting next to each other. And then when people started checking in and talking and realizing that um, couples were coming to support each other, like... That's so yeah, honestly like I, I, you can't see my face. You're just listening he just to this. Got red. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. That's what it should be. Like that, one of the most amazing things about the AA community when you find a good meeting is community where people are re- they really love each other and like the kind of like love and care that was going on in that room and the women that were there to support their husbands and vice versa. The, I mean, it was just like. Wow, that was that blew my mind. I mean, it completely. And there's meetings with men and women together, but you don't see like a person it's coming to support. Coming you'll see every once in a while in a twelve step meeting, like in the, in the AA world. Maybe, yeah. yeah, you'll see people show up. Like if someone gets a chip, or it'll be a random visitor. But you don't see like there's so we, many people like hanging out to to support whoever's having a hard time. So that was the first thing. It was like. You know, and my default is like, if there's love somewhere, it just can't be wrong, right? So yeah. I'm like, there is a ton of love in this room. And then people are talking, and then you started talking. And the other side, too, is I'm like, okay, these people typically don't drink. Like, these people, meaning this, the people, yeah. members of this well, church, yeah. don't drink, don't smoke, no caffeine. Like, probably the most, like, good and well-behaved human beings. Like, my sister and my niece, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I just want my children to be like my niece, right? Like, yeah. she's the most sweet, like amazing kid and the, the friends she has she brings over are, are so sweet too and I so I'm thinking like how could this possibly you know and then I was reminded that human beings are human beings and like people struggle and then I was like this is incredible too because I, I would assume that this sort of thing would be sort of hidden away in a such a virtuous environment you know like people are, that have a lot of solid virtues and then that wasn't people were like you uh, Jay were very vocal when you were kind of talking you were sitting here with with uh, your wife and and you just were like <laughs> he just went on and he was going on and on and like and then I was like not only um, are they he's like encouraging people to be wide open about this and honest but you like I was like that guy knows he's been through all this stuff like you know how you can just tell yeah, yeah. And I was like, and it's been, it's been serious with you. Yeah. Like, it's not been, um, like, cause there's different, different levels of depths oh. of, of how far someone can go. And I just felt it in you. And I was like, okay. And I knew I needed to talk to you like right away. And then you guys had mentioned the Andy Irons movie and I yeah, worked yeah. on that. So and I wanted we to, just watched it that, yeah. that <laughs> night before. Yeah. So I was like, I just need to talk to him. And, um, yeah, and I just went with my, my gut mm-hmm. and my heart. And I was like, yeah. that's why I talked to you. So well, your yeah. emotions are probably no different than anyone walking into a meeting for the first yeah. time, mm-hmm. even know, with the same, church, yeah. the same expectations, wonder. wonder and concern and all that. And so, mm-hmm. 
Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Um, and one of the other reasons we do the podcast too is that's not that way across the world. So like, as you said, different 12 step meetings have different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, there are some meetings where there's two people there. Churches are trying to figure and, it out. And they're trying to figure out what to do. And so we try to explain what we do as much as this possible. This has turned into almost that, right? Like sometimes we, we there's get a as big, much questions get about emails. how to set the meeting up and how to do it as, hey, how do I help my loved one? Okay. So it's, it's not only, hey, can we, how do I get my addict, my loved one, right? Mm-hmm. It's, hey, I just got this as a calling in the church. Everything's volunteer in the church. They're so like, well, so what do I do? And I got your number from someone else and this, that, that you know. How did you guys get to, can I ask yeah. this? Yeah, so, so, Dave, um, so Dave is really into the meeting too, yeah. right? Like he wants yeah. to go. And he feels the same thing that, that I felt. He's just like, there's just a lot of love there. Yeah. Do you guys think that there's more love there than what normally exists in your different... Well, what I, what I think... Why, happened, why did it feel that way? Is so, that just how it is or... Yeah, I, th- I think... I think um, when I, when, yeah, <laughs> Sorry, it's, inter- weird, it's interesting. Weird question. No, 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 no it's no. good. Um, I think that normally, and Brad could talk about this, but normally in the church, it's all volunteer. So everything's volunteer. Now, remember, nine out of ten things that I was volunteer for are uplifting good things. Like, this, mm-hmm. oh, this, is, this is just an activity. This is this. This is Sunday school. I teach also on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, every, up to the, just the men sometimes, you know, twice a week, twice a month. So the callings are usually like that. So to get a calling that is like life or death, repairing people's lives, families, marriages, couples, existence, all this stuff, a lot of times it's just handed to, to a couple that have decided to go on a mission like you do when you're young. And so they're like, hey, I want to set apart a year of my life or a year and a half or two years as an old couple to go out and serve a mission. They go, okay, perfect. This is going to be your mission. Well, that's awesome that they have volunteers. Mm-hmm. However, do those two people have any idea what they're dealing with? No. And they, so, they're, so you have a manual. Spirit's willing. You have yeah. like the manual you saw <laughs> right, and some little... guidelines about what a meeting should be like, but their experience has been a normal Sunday school class They've where never... you're up teaching a lesson and let me show you my oh, okay. wisdom that I've had. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily what... And they have zero. Seen. So what they'll do is they'll try to teach gospel doctrine to try to combat this. Now, I believe that that needs to come in at certain sure. time, right? Just like any other study or physical exercise, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. However, in the beginning, it's not pop. That's like physical. Like to tell me to go read and pray when I was that or I'm going to go pop pills. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That doesn't feel anything. I was disconnected from my own feelings. This, I take this, I get immediate reaction. I'm yeah. taking this, right? And so luckily... San Clemente had this one, you know, a couple that came in there, very similar. They had dealt with it with one of their loved ones, their son. Um, they have a bunch of boys and girl, you know, but like seven kids. One of them who's my sponsor we've had on here. Um, so they were active on trying to help him. Luckily, there was a couple dudes in, this, in the area that were hardcore AA guys, but they were hardcore AA and they've taken it to another level with spirituality, mm-hmm. like with, you know, the love, not just the shame. Mm-hmm. Let's just call you out. And so they ended up getting involved and running that meeting down there. And that's the guy who I worked with we've had on the podcast, James. And so he brought the, a lot of the A traditions minus the culture of shame, okay, which mm-hmm. is unique. I didn't know this at the sure. time, but um, now that you're pointing this out and other people have pointed this out too, is that he brought in the chips. He brought in the, the identification. He brought in the like rigorous honesty. Like you got to – we got to combat – head on your past and then get rid of it mm-hmm. and then implementing this Do guy was steps. a convert like Do me steps. yeah steps. yeah so he's all about doing the steps but he's also a convert so aa was his religion for mm-hmm. years and yeah. it got him so but then he knew that there was more joins the church now all of a sudden learns eternal perspective right when we talk about spirit so then kind of started that foundation there then when we, we just took that same model of that and brought it to here and then 
one honestly we've said this before I know for a fact me and Lexi are together my wife and I'm, I'm alive only because I opened my I, I believe this is my firm belief Heavenly Father knew I would open my mouth eventually it's what I've always done as soon as I learn something I just want to sell it to someone I want to give it to someone I want to do something everyone's got to know about it mm-hmm. if I believe it and I don't care if it's Lululemon pants which me and Brad are both wearing because I freaking love these things <laughs> I know those exactly <laughs> right? I don't care what it is I'm going to yeah, be stoked about it so I believe Heavenly Father saved my life because of that, because I shouldn't be here with the amount of effort I put into my recovery in the beginning. I shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And, but, and he repaired Lexi's heart. The minute she stepped into a meeting, all the shame disappeared. She's never once, six years, shamed me for my past. That is uncommon. That's unheard mm-hmm. of. I've never even met another couple that's been able to do that. And that's a gift from God. I believe that. So we were the first couples that started coming. And then before you know it, one guy kept coming. And he moved here from Utah. And he said his wife's having a I said, please come. They've since been on our program. Boom. Wife comes. Hard time at first. Very shame. Very angry. Very mm-hmm. bitter. Of course. She's sure. been hurt. Mm-hmm. She's been hurt by her husband over and over. And we, re- we reminded her of her husband's. Then what happened? Walls come down. Starts to learn this is not, it's not a, cho- this is not, she's not choosing. Anyways, before you know it, it's like created this thing where, you know, a lot of the old timers in AA are like, you know, some of the people will come in, they, they, they see the couples as a negative and we're trying to help them to see that this is, are you kidding me? This is, no, it's, not, it's not about what this is. And we've even wrestled. We're like, do we, how do we meet? But this is not AA. Mm-hmm. This is not AA. Right. This is not even, the, I don't even want to call it that. You know, it's like, this is just what has happened organically. And obviously it's work because attendance is insane and they keep growing and more people keep coming. The, the big, know, the, one, like, a couple of big differences is a uh, meeting has to have a facilitator. Someone who's in recovery who's gone the steps. Totally. Mm-hmm. My myself, I if I got called to do this in the church, it would be a flop because I try to teach it like some Sunday school class. Before you knew, yeah. Right. So if, you know, I just kind of like organize and, <laughs> and and set things in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number two is having people who find recovery continue to come back, and and there is a culture out there is hey I got sober I'm out I'm not going to help anybody else now. Right. And right. I and and the Bible says hide your light under a bushel. And I use the word hide your recovery in your bushel because you are going to lose it if you don't share it. Mm-hmm. And if you are very selfish, if you go to a 12-step meeting and you get recovery and then you never come back. And that's whether you're a spouse or the mm-hmm. addict because you, not what Jay and Lexi have done. And people always ask, well, you gonna, how long are you going to keep going? I'm like, well, I hope for a long time because there's a lot of people that, mm-hmm. that can be helped. And I'll stop the, going when people the, stop showing up. Right. That's <laughs> the two biggest things that that you felt that I hope that other meetings throughout is, you know, open your mouth when you're there. And when you get recovery, keep opening your mouth. Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps that love there. And it's levels. Like you said, I mean, mm-hmm. if you would have showed up three years ago, you may have not have felt the same way. Like every year me and Brad have talked about this. At first, it was opiates and all the other pills I was taking. Then it was, you know, then it was uh, my diet, you know, and then I got my diet under control. Then it was like I knew pornography was an issue. And in our church, it's a very big thing. We do not want any. But I like it was using that was my that was my drug that no one could smell, taste, see. It didn't destroy my life at Mm -hmm. that point. Okay, sure. and so I start. What do you know? Start sponsoring a bunch of people that are sex addicts now, not druggists. Never taken a drug in their life, but the, mm-hmm. they're conversing with me and telling me how their life's falling apart, just like mine. I go, well, how do I justify this? Right. Like you know, like, how do I sit with this? You know, and so the Lord worked. You know, God worked on me, and then and then so it's that. And then it's social media. You know, it's like every year I'm finding out that like, oh wait, like you're awesome, but guess what? Like I have more. You want to reach another level? This is what you need to do. Not for you, because more and more people. 
it, people keep showing up with different things. Mm-hmm. And the more it's, – it's not about the separate, right? It's not in the differences, right? They say it's in the similarities. And humans are humans. And we – like you said, we're finding out we have all these chemical DNA. They, we're the only people in the history of this planet that we know of unless there was a civilization. <laughs> that we don't know about, <laughs> which could be. Yeah, yeah, it could be. But uh, all we know is this, we're the first ones that have it so easy to get food, have shelter, and not physically do a damn thing. Sorry for my mm-hmm. swear. We'll have to cut that out. But, you know, uh, it's crazy to me. And, and we're seeing this is going to be the new wave is, is technology addiction. Mm-hmm. And Without this is going to be well, in the next. It's, it's already there. Already. It's already there. But more people are going to start messing their lives up because of it. Yeah. And then guess what? That's the future. Mm-hmm. And so you can't, if you're, you know, if you're listening and you're at your level, you're like, oh, I stopped my drug of choice. That's awesome. Dude, I'm thumbs up in you for that. But I promise you, if you stay honest with yourself, you really do a 10th step, daily inventory of where your life's at, you can take it to another level. And, and I believe that those of us who are, have a miracle like yourself, like you, your life's saved, it's up to us to go back out there and help these people that aren't there. I agree. And so that's why I love the treehouse. I love, you know, what you're doing here. It is different. It's not like most of these places, Brad, I mean, I know we've already talked about this, but most of the places just, they, they charge for what's free. Mm-hmm. They charge, they, they put them in their house, they put them in a room and they teach them the 12 steps that call, and they charge them a lot of money for it. The treehouse, they have the housing set up from what I understand and the housing, they have to have a sponsor. They have to be working a 12 step program, but the actual treatment you will have at treehouse is state of the art stuff that you completely why, separate. They don't completely separate. Completely separate. Right. Well, let's, do not uh, even. Yeah. Let's get you back on another time and talk about that a little more. That'd be yeah, great. Yeah. If you want to do that, um, we've we've gone. I think you got an appointment to get yeah, to. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, we really appreciate your time. Anything else you want to yeah, add? Any other things? You I just say? want to thank you guys. It's been really cool to talk to you. I get finally. I've got a sense of you now too. I didn't really talk to you at all before. Heard a lot about you, Brad. Yeah. 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 yeah, he's talks about you all the time, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I appreciate it, and I love what you guys are doing. The, the meeting I went to was amazing, and I guess there is one thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So we, like I said, we study addiction, and one of the things we're trying to look for is what is the one thing we can do that uh, makes the biggest impact on someone's recovery. Yeah. And what we discovered is that it's connection. That the individuals that are developing deep and meaningful connections or a community are the ones that are staying, getting well, and staying, staying well. well. And so what I saw when I went in that room was like that. Yeah, community and connection. And to I, not bounce. Yeah, and I've also watched a lot of things be born, like new things, and um, you see magic, and like what you're doing is magical. So I thank you for letting me um, see that. Well, thank you. TreehouseRecovery.com is the website for your uh, business, or you call it, I don't know. Yeah, it's a business, business organization. Yeah. Organization. Mm-hmm. So go check that out. If you sense anything or have any questions, they sound like a great resource. Um, send us an email, direct message, or however you get a hold of us. If you have questions for us, awesome. All right, thanks I'm for being on. I'm Jay Manatic. Direct its footsteps every day and keep it.
Life's 